This is a Founding Media podcast. Welcome to Growth and Scale Insiders. I'm your host, Dan Dillard. On this series, we will be exploring the constantly changing world of organizational leadership and financial transformation. Today, we are diving into the world of data security and privacy. With an ever more connected world, this is a subject that is becoming more and more important. Joining me is John Patrick, an IT risk and compliance manager from Bridgepoint Consulting. Kate Williams, a risk assurance manager from Maxwell Lock and Ritter. And finally, Jessica Hamilton, CFO of Active Prospect. Let's jump into our conversation. Before we talk about data security and privacy, I do want to go around the table and just give a highlight reel of our current roles and responsibilities and maybe some of the background work that, that's been done. Uh, John, you want to start us off? Sure. Happy to. So I, I'm an IT risk and compliance manager at Bridgepoint Consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, started my career in the external IT audit and IT advisory world and really enjoyed the kind of client service uh, problem solving aspect of that. Then spent a number of years in... Uh, working for larger fortune-sized companies, Fortune 10, Fortune 100, wow, and yeah. IT compliance roles, uh, which is a different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, Completely, it, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> and, and um, also in that time owned a couple of companies myself and and kind of went through the journey of security and, and privacy as well, mm-hmm. um, but, but really missed that problem solving, uh, addressing challenges with, with small and mid-sized companies. And so was happy to get with Bridgepoint uh, a little less than a year ago and okay. get back into that. All kinds of experience around yeah. security and privacy yeah. for sure, all size companies. Mm-hmm. So Kate, how did you get involved with uh, risk management? And if you'll also tell us a little bit about Maxwell Lock and Ritter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've always been in risk management. Um, I was an accounting major, but I didn't love uh, tax returns or debits or credits or anything along those lines. Uh, so when I found out that risk assurance, risk management was a field, uh, I jumped right into that. I started out at, at PwC in their risk assurance group. Um, I was there for, for a while and then had my own practice. Um, uh, for a short stint um, until I landed at Maxwell Lock and Ritter. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we are a an accounting firm, mm-hmm. full service. We do tax, uh, financial audit, due diligence, um, and I'm part of our IT risk and compliance practice there. Very cool, very cool. So, and Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about your role at CFO at Active Prospect and maybe a little bit about the company? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Jessica, the Chief Financial Officer of of Active Prospect. I've been with the company for a little over two years. Uh, I've been kind of in in the software SaaS world for the last decade. Um, Before that, I was very similar to sitting in Kate's shoes, started out my career as an auditor um, with KPMG. And sure. so it's it's been fun being on both sides of the table, but I, I definitely enjoy being on, on this side mm-hmm. more. Um, Active Prospect is uh, a marketing SaaS company. We offer a suite of products to uh, assist large brands and customers in their online internet lead optimization and compliance. Uh, we are a bootstrap company. We're 15 years wow. old, but we are growing rapidly because of the, the data privacy privacy and compliance rules that have come about. It's actually extremely helped our, mm-hmm. our business. And uh, we actually grew 50% year over year last year, and we wow. plan to double our headcount this year. Wow. Congratulations Thank on that you. growth. Thank you all for sharing that. Um, so for the topic at hand, data, security, and privacy, I'm actually really intrigued about this topic, especially when it comes to growth and scale. Uh, mainly because I think there's so many businesses or so much business owners 
do not know about this topic and how quickly it has evolved in just the last few years. So, John, can you give us a little insight uh, about the current compliance landscape? Sure, happy to. Um, you know, I think I'm seeing a couple of trends, um, and I think and small and medium-sized businesses are seeing this as well, mm -hmm. and that is that, uh, you know, number one, there's legislation coming about at both the state and national level around the world mm -hmm. related to data security and privacy and how we protect customer information, um, customer personal information, health data, et cetera. Um, and I think we're seeing the first of a wave of what will be future state legislation okay. in this regard. Um, we're seeing it with CCPA in California, um, GDPR in the European Union, um, among others. And so that's kind of the first uh, trend that we're kind of seeing. Uh, but then more importantly, I think what companies are seeing on a day-to-day -day basis is uh, that their customers are really paying attention to data security and privacy in a way that they may not have in the past. Um, it's becoming a requirement uh, and not just an optional add-on. Uh, so especially for growing businesses that are trying to attract those larger, more enterprise-sized customers, mm -hmm. they can most certainly expect uh, questions from their customers about how they address data privacy and security of their customer data. And that comes in several different forms. Uh, you know, I think we're all familiar with the dreaded 100-page security questionnaires and, and long question answer format emails from our customers. Uh, but then there's, there's other forms of requests such as SOC 2 reports. Um, you know, some companies are asking their vendors for data privacy impact assessments related to GDPR. Um, and that's kind of just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to customer requirements. I was just going to add on there mm -hmm. that um, even the way that our customers are viewing data has changed. You know, it used to be the very obvious sensitive data points like social security number and credit card data were obviously needed to be protected. But with the new laws and legislations that have been passed, now it's such a more broader scope. So for us at Actor Prospect, our customers that may just be collecting name, mm -hmm email and phone number, they are now being scrutinized with how, how is that data being protected? Right. Because now it's classified as, as, as confidential or personally identifying information. So even customers who have been dealing with these types of data, data for decades are now have a new heightened sense of, of awareness about security surrounding it. Yeah, super interesting. One of the things uh, you've mentioned, GDPR and CCPA, and I'm sure that most business owners have seen the the news headlines. Um, can you explain what the differences are and what businesses need to understand about those two things? Sure. So GDPR mm -hmm. is a EU regulation that relates to personal information of EU citizens. Okay. Um, it applies to any company worldwide. Um, the company can reside in the US or in the EU or elsewhere. And it uh, applies to any company that stores or processes personal information about EU citizens. Um, and that kind of as Jessica mentioned, that definition is really evolving um, mm -hmm. of what is personal information. Under GDPR, it's very broad. Uh, there's the, the typical definitions such as name, email address, social security number, uh, birthday, those types of pieces of data. But then there's more non-typical, uh, broader definitions such as tracking information or IP addresses or identification numbers that, that companies may not even realize falls into scope right. under GDPR. Um, so that's GDPR. 
then on the state side, on the U.S. side, there's not a national regulation related to data privacy, but the states are beginning to enact their own. CCPA is the first of those. It went into effect January of this year, um, and it applies to personal information of California residents. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, again, the definition is is pretty broad, mm-hmm. um, but it aims to give California residents the um, right to own their information and they have the right to understand how companies are using it, right. who they're sharing it with, um, and, and also the right to request that it be deleted mm-hmm. um, and removed, kind of that right to be forgotten concept as makes well. Sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So you put a website out and sometimes you may not understand the data that's being gathered and where those customers are coming from. And you have these liabilities as a business owner that you need to understand where these customers are coming from. Is it you, EU, California, and soon to be other states? Right. And then what they expect you to do with that information. You can't just collect it and keep it. You have to follow the rules. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. You have to follow the rules and safeguard it in the right way. So if I'm a new business, please educate me on, or, or maybe my, my company's growing. And um, I'm seeking help. What are the first things that you want to address when a company comes to you for help with particularly data and security and privacy? Sure. I think the first thing that I would tell a company is to take a step back and take it step by step. Um, It's easy and often common for companies to start at the end um, and work their way backwards. Start with um, a, a regulation or a compliance framework and try to work their way backwards to identify what fits into that. When really uh, what we need to do is start at the beginning and identify what is it that we have. You know, let's, let's identify the data that we store, where it's coming from, what type of data it is, and what system it resides in. You know, uh, do we just have a website and we're collecting uh, no data? Do we have forms on our website that are collecting personal information? Or do we have a SaaS application that that processes a large amount of, of personal information? So uh, there's different ways to do that. Um, you can, you know, you can visualize the data, create mm-hmm. data flow diagrams, um, create system inventory lists. Um, but really that kind of initial data mapping is really important because you can't protect data unless you know what you have well, yeah. um, and where it exists. Makes a lot of sense. So, you know, once you complete that step, you can really move into the, the uh, future phases of compliance, um, identifying what compliance requirements apply to that data. Got it. Is it GDPR? Is it CCPA? Is it a SOC 2 that's required because a customer's asking for it? Yep. Um, and then obviously, you know, move into your gap analysis. What do we need to do? What are we doing and what are we not? And what holes do we need to plug? And then remediation. How do we plug those holes? Is it new technologies, new tools, training of our staff, um, you know, new new procedures? So it's it's really important though to to start at the beginning, identify what you have, and then take it step by step. Makes complete sense. Kate, I have a couple questions for you. I am really curious. You mentioned that you went from you know, traditional CPA work to really being intrigued about risk assurance managing. And I'm wondering what the, that role entails. I assume it has to do with data security and, and privacy. So can you give me an idea of what that work is involved? 
Absolutely. Yeah, it really does uh, involve data security and privacy um, for our customers. Um, as an accounting firm, uh, we really specialize in SOC 1 and SOC 2 examinations. Uh, mm -hmm. We can come in as independent assessors of companies and issue those reports. Um, so that's our primary focus area. Um, we get a lot of uh, customers locally that are uh, small to medium tech companies that are um, new to SOC, they don't know what it means. Uh, they don't know why they need it. And so we do a lot to educate educate them, educate the public as much as we can. Um, what is what is SOC? I mean, it's one of the things I looked at when I was reading your LinkedIn. You're like an expert at SOC 1, <laughs> SOC 2, and IT audits. I'm like... What is that? Right, right, <laughs> right. Such exciting terms, right? Yeah, so it stands for System and Organization Control, um, mm -hmm. which isn't a very helpful acronym. But um, they're essentially these uh, reports that um, customers of SaaS companies, uh, customers of um, companies that provide services to businesses uh, that provide uh, especially enterprise-grade businesses, um, they'll ask for a SOC report to make sure um, – the company that they're using is uh, protecting their data correctly, is uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so an organization that's uh, some sort of service provider, that's mm -hmm. a SaaS company, that's a health tech company or a fintech company, um, you know, they're they're offering services, they're offering a platform um, to these companies or customers and potentially have really sensitive information. Um, so if they can hand their customer a SOC report, that gives that customer assurance that um, their data is protected and they can trust that. And I assume that the clients themselves are asking this before they sign a contract with the company. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we get a lot of uh, um, people come in, companies come in and they'll say, um, you know, we, we almost have this deal closed, uh, but we need a SOC 2 or we can't close the deal. So we need one right now. We need one tomorrow. Um, so it's really tricky to kind of High pressure. talk them through that. Right, right. Like it does take, it takes a little time. Yeah. Um, Typically, uh, what's, what's that time like? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, so John mentioned um, kind of, you know, gap assessment and readiness. That is a really important component mm -hmm. um, to a SOC report. Um, I have yet to see an organization just crush it right out the gate right. and just already immediately know everything they need to do Got and it. have it in place. Um, so that's really the starting point is going through some process to understand um, what needs to be corrected, what needs to be implemented. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, um, there's these two, there's two types of reports. There's a type one or a type two. Mm -hmm. A type one, we can get out the door reasonably quickly. Yep. It's as of a point in time. So it's mm -hmm. really how quickly can they fix those problems that were identified during a readiness process. Right. Um, and then the reporting can happen over the course of a month or so right. as soon as things are resolved. Um, that's what organizations don't fully understand, um, mm -hmm. how long that can take um, yeah. to really fix the, fix the gaps. Um, and then beyond that, for a type two, it's over a time frame. It's over six months, over 12 months. And so it, okay. it can take a while to wow. get a type two out there. So. so the lesson here is you guys are the people that come and verify that the data is secure and is being protected. And so if, if, I'm, a, if I'm a company and I'm growing and I want to have those enterprise type or type contracts that are out there, I want to make sure that I'm covering the basis and mm -hmm. be able to show that to anybody that wants it. And so you guys come in and are able to do that, but it does take time. It's going to take you know six months, a year to go through all my data, to be able to show 
of that proof. Is that yeah. more or less what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it's so hard when, people you know, we get people, tomorrow. yeah, like, well, I, need, I just need one right now. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. It's a $500,000 deal. I need one right now. It's like, well, <laughs> it's not oh, how it works. Right. <laughs> like, we'll get on it, but. <laughs> so uh, at what level of growth uh, do companies really need to be focused on these? Is this like startup, like at the very beginning, or is it like I've already got so much in revenue or so many people, I really need to start doing that? Or is once I start targeting companies of certain size, what's that look like? Yeah, it's it's primarily the last one. Um, so unfortunately for some of our smaller clients, uh, it doesn't really matter how many people you have or what your revenue amount is. Um, if you're going after a really big um, organization, if you're going after a big company, a Fortune 500, a Fortune 100, mm-hmm. um, and you know, you're providing some sort of service to that company, they're going to want a soccer port. Um, or if you are health tech or fintech and you write out the gate, have really sensitive information, um, you're going to need a SOC report. Right. Yeah. So it can be really small organizations yep. that need one. And we'll try our best to uh, yeah. you know, make it as easy as possible for them. But it, it, it's a hard pill to swallow. Well, that's really important to know because I know especially in this town, there's there's – you, know, you have this entrepreneur mentality. You have mm-hmm. small startups that go out and trying to fix something in health or something that's re- that requires data security, and they may not be thinking about this. And so it's important mm-hmm. for them to, as they grow, or as they get out the gate, um, to have this thing checked off. The box needs to be checked off on this. For yeah, sure. absolutely. So catching people early is really important for us and training them. Jessica, I'm also very curious about the work that you do over at Active Prospect. Can you elaborate the importance of uh, security and privacy when it comes to lead generation and how that affects your clients? Yeah, definitely. And it's I couldn't agree with what Kate is saying more. Um, our clients range from you know small mom and pop shops who may own a local flooring business and mm-hmm. they're generating leads online via like a home advisor or right. Yelp all the way up into Fortune 100 companies. Okay. And so everyone is very concerned about what happens to their data as it enters our, our platform. And so um, for for us, no matter what size our customer is, they're typically bringing in the same types of, of data. Mm-hmm. And so as the um, security and, and privacy laws has strengthened, our customers are asking us those hard questions. And the evolution of Active Prospect is we try to kick the can as long as we right. could. You know, very much like you mentioned, we're in Austin, we're a startup, so we'd you know tell someone, oh, well, we, we're not SOC 2 compliant. We don't have the resources to become SOC 2 compliant, so go ahead and send over your questionnaire. We'll get it filled out as much as possible and kind of hope we get the deal. Got it. And that worked for the most of the last 15 years. But over the last, really, I'd say 24 months, things really changed. And we started actually losing customers, um, just a handful that said, look, we typically it's I we have just been acquired right. and now our big new parent company will not allow us to use any vendor right. who isn't SOC 2 compliant um, and also uh, new prospects right. are not accepting the questionnaire is the only way for us to be able to do business with Got them it. and so we decided as a leadership team um, about 18 months ago that it, the time was now right. this wasn't going to get any easier right. with the passage of CCPA and it sounds like Washington's on the hills if not already of doing something similar that uh, in, in the world of online lead gener- generation, internet leads don't understand boundaries. Right. <laughs> so for us, it's whatever happens in California, for us, it's going to happen everywhere. Exactly. And so um, we decided to make the investment. And mm-hmm. to Kate's point, 
uh, I think it was a little bit, it was nice to have someone like myself at the company who has been through this mm -hmm. and I knew what to expect. It was funny. Some folks in the team said, well, how long will it take us to get the SOC to report? Like two weeks? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like a year. Wow. <laughs> and so, um, so, so that's where we are with us. But very specifically, we deal with um, our fundamental business model is based on consent-based marketing. Right. So we're already dealing with folks who are trusting and giving the companies permission to contact them, whether it's by email or phone. Mm -hmm. And so for us, being compliant is even of the utmost importance because we ourselves are kind of a compliance tool right. and a compliance company. So therefore, we have to have the most stringent compliance rules and procedures set up to really be able to have that reputation in the marketplace. Makes a lot of sense. I just... This takes me back 30 years. I was in sales 30 years ago, and I remember going down the yellow pages. That was like, you know, 100 dials a day or whatever it was, and it's so different than, I mean, you think about this. Absolutely. And so you think about businesses today that, you know, have done things one way and not changed for a long time. Um, there's the, the landscape has changed completely. completely changed and it's become extraordinarily sophisticated as well. I'm, I'm relatively new to this specific space of online lead generation. And when I really got to, to know the industry, well, I was extremely, um, surprised by some of the sophistication of small mom and pop shops mm -hmm. who might have these home services businesses or even healthcare type legion businesses and how it's all super integrated and how they're able to drum up a, a ton of online lead interest in their products or services. So you might have a three-person company who is processing hundreds of thousands of leads per wow. month and they're three or four person companies. So they certainly aren't solving the SOC problem. So they want to at least make sure the vendors that they select yeah. are. Wow. That's incredible. So I'm just going to go around the table. What's that one piece of advice you would offer to other CFOs as they're getting started in data and privacy? Sure. I can start. Uh, you know, I would say be proactive. Don't be reactive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's easier said than done sometimes, but um, if you can start your compliance journey early enough and build it into your processes, um, build it into your procedures, um, identify risk and address it with controls in your day-to-day -day activities, then, uh, you know, when a customer comes knocking with a SOC request or a GDPR question, you'll be prepared and your life will be a lot easier down the road. Very, very cool. Anybody else? Yeah, I'll chime in. Um, I would say don't uh, immediately assume that any compliance cost is a sunk cost. Understand right. that um, part of it's the cost of doing business, mm -hmm. but part of it, um, it's the opportunity to bring on bigger customers, mm -hmm. to um, communicate to your customers um, that um, that you uh, will secure their data, that you will operate um, as they expect, and that you um, are a, trust, a trustworthy vendor. Um, so just don't go in assuming um, that everything is a sunk cost when it comes to compliance. Understand the value of it first. Absolutely. I can agree more with both of those. And, and I'll, I'll add on as well. I know you asked for one piece of advice, but I'm going give to you, give you three. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so first and foremost, it definitely gets started early, uh, especially as a startup, you tend to cut corners and that is okay. Sometimes you just have to do that. But there are certain decisions that you can make, like where are you going to store your servers and what, what are the vendors you're going to select. So go ahead and start thinking about quality and assurance and security early and maybe go ahead and start selecting some of those vendors and putting your procedures in place early um, to help with this down the line. But 
As soon as you realize you're ready to get serious about becoming SOC 2 compliant, it's time to bring in some help. Right. That would be my first my first uh, recommendation. At Actor Prospect, we, we brought in Bridgepoint. We had no one on the team besides myself who had any experience with this. And we really needed someone to come in and help spear us into how to start from the beginning and get to where we want it to, to go. And with that, also selecting your audit partner and mm-hmm. making sure that everyone's on the same page about what does it mean to be SOC 2 compliant and what do we have to do to be able to get through this as painlessly as possible. The second second thing I would say is don't be afraid. Yep. Um especially when you start out with these questionnaires. I mean, John's not exaggerating. There's hundreds of questions. I mean, I think our largest one was 480 questions over security. And so it becomes very daunting. So it is okay to say no. Mm -hmm. No, I do not have this thing in place. I do not do two-factor authentication and have a Mm 16-digit password. Um, And and then cross the bridge with the the prospect and just be honest about where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of folks fear kind of prevents them from answering honestly, yep. or they try to hurry up and change things really fast to say yes, and then things are done without a lot of a lot of thought. And my final piece of advice is, um, especially for small companies that are very heavy on the developer and engineering side, um, just because someone is asking about the way something is set up and the infrastructure and the processes you have in place uh, doesn't mean you haven't built something beautiful. Right. Um, especially for us at Actor Prospect, we have a very large engineering team. And when we started talking about all these things we had to fix, there are egos involved. Yeah. And, you know, we had to be very clear that it, this is not reflect at all on the product that you've built. The product serves an amazing purpose and is meeting a lot of needs out in the marketplace. But we still have to go do these things on the back end in order to play with the, the big boys and big big girls. And so I would just educate the engineering team specifically, your DevOps team, to say, look, we've got some hard questions we're about to answer, and that is okay, and we'll get it figured out. And this reflects not at all this type of quality engineer that you are or what you've built. Wow. That's something that a lot of people don't think about. But yeah, you've got to, this is the pride of what they've done. Right. And all of a sudden, it's like they've got to, How <laughs> dare you? They I feel mean, it's like as a financial person, I'm used to it, right? You get yeah. a financial statement audit, and yeah. someone's like, Oh well, why does your you know cash balance yep. say this? And it's like mind your business, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> you, you do. There's this pride thing of, of your work, and um, engineers are very much the same way, and um, as they should be, which is great. They should have a lot of pride in what they've built. And just because you don't have this crazy password set up, doesn't mean you haven't done a great job. Right. And so um, when folks like myself, especially, or folks who come in more on the operations side, don't establish that relationship with their IT team. Uh, relationships can go sour yeah. fast yeah. and you really need to have collaboration because this is cross-functional. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the controls you have to put in place are human resource, IT, development, I mean, ar- across the board. So it's not just only IT taking care of this or only finance taking care of this. So you've got to kind of set the ground level with everybody up front. Wow. This has been incredibly informative. I know that uh, many fast-growing businesses out there really appreciate the information we share today. So... Uh, thank you very much for all for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for thank having you. us. Thank you. Thank you again, John, Kate, and Jessica. With more data than ever before being used and being available to organizations, privacy and security is an important topic. And as y'all said, it's just a little bit to do. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and maybe share it with a friend or coworker. 
Growth and Scale Insiders is created in partnership between Bridgepoint Consulting and Founding Media. To learn more about Bridgepoint, please visit the links in our show notes.